think this will be our, our last of the parenting classes. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Well, it's certainly, not the last of it's certainly a topic that we should circle back to as a church pretty frequently. So probably in about a year, we'll do it again. <laughs> when everybody has more questions, when all these babies are actually a little more grown up, a little more yeah, grown up, and give different questions, and their sin is being revealed more. In ten years, you'll have an amazing youth group. Yeah. <laughs> There's gonna be so many. That's right. Of them. That's right. So let me open this up in prayer, and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, thank you for today, Lord. Uh, it's a gift. Uh, that you have given us life. You sustained us through the night. You've brought us here. Lord, we pray that um, this gathering over the next hour would help us to follow you wholeheartedly, to obey you and to live for you, particularly, Lord, as we seek to be parents who um, take up the responsibility that you've given us and to... Um, Train our children, teach them, model for them uh, what it means to trust in Jesus and follow him. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Okay, so we got a panel discussion uh, this morning, and um, Joanna and I, and Nissen and Joanna, and some children behind us. Um, and it's just going to be a time for you to ask questions. So hopefully you have some questions for us or maybe one question that gets asked and you hear the answer and that brings to mind another question. Um, so now there's not too many of us here. So it can go as short or as long as you want it to. Well, not as long as you want it to. Um, so... I have a few questions here that I actually forwarded to, uh, I think Tobin actually told me he, I, I planted some questions. This is what you do with the, this is what you do with the panel discussion, right? What did he say? You, you, plant, you plant some questions, right? I have a question. Because everyone is shy and bashful to, Get going. yeah, to not, uh, to ask the first questions. And so, but Tobin said he had already been thinking of these questions. So, mm -hmm. Tobin, why don't you get us started with yeah. one of those questions you were thinking about? Yeah. So, I think one of the questions I had in mind is when we can, when there's especially like probably disagreements or like we're thinking differently about something, how do we talk about those mm -hmm. things with each other? And especially when there's disagreements about parenting. Between the spouses. Tobin, did you read our, our list of planted questions? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, 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 I sent them to him. Here comes Lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, he could be so, going across the way. Hey, Lucky, good morning. Hello. Hey, hey Lucky. Hey, Just barely. Come on in. Uh, you going to stay with us or go across the way? Let's see. Who is in this class? Ah, <laughs> you're welcome anywhere. Um, maybe I'll start. Okay. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll give the easy answer and then, you know, they'll have <laughs> um, 
So you're asking, like, if I understood right, like, if there's disagreements between the spouses, then, then what do you do? Um, I think, I think um, you know, it's, it's important to be on the same page as much as possible and to have a lot of communication so that you make sure that the spouses are in agreement before um, you communicate, like, some kind of direction or even if it is, like, some kind of obedience um, or teaching, you know, that you think you may be differing on. Um, so it really depends on, like, I think, you know, how much communication you need to have. Um, and um, based on that, it can be hard or it can be easy. Um, but uh, I would say, you know, whenever possible, like, as much communication as possible, you know. Um, yeah. yeah. I think I think one of the, mo one of the important things is to not... Probably, probably not have these discussions necessarily in the presence of your children. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I think it might be unsettling to them. Although, if you're able to carry on a discussion with your spouse, and you should be able to in a godly way when you have a disagreement, <laughs> um, that's also instructive. And I suspect that in your life as a family, you will have disagreements with your spouse in front of your children. And they need to see you learn how to handle those in godly ways. And when you don't handle them in godly ways, that you apologize and ask for forgiveness and that there's reconciliation. Um, that's an important thing to, to model. Anyway, that's almost a side, side discussion. That was my question, so thank you. <laughs> Having a fight in front of your kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember we've had times or had times where one of us felt like, hey, you're being too lenient or hey, you're being too restrictive uh -huh. or it's like you're being too harsh, you know, or um, certainly you're going to disagree because you're two different people and God made you in different ways and um, you'll have different inclinations sometimes. But it's like this good built-in accountability. You have this other person who's like, hey, I feel like maybe you sinned against our kids. And, you know, it's, it's kind of a gift in your life because otherwise the Lord may not convict you of that sin in a way that um, causes you to go and apologize. Um, but I completely agree with what Brian said that, and listen, that it's... Um, it's important to do that privately um, and in a way that doesn't set your child up for a pattern of manipulating hmm. one of you against the other. Yeah. Because they're really they're looking for loopholes. Yeah, yeah. They're so smart. <laughs> um, so to pull them aside privately and even sometimes if you don't agree in the moment, so hang in there until you get that opportunity hmm. for the private conversation. I think it's also the, I think we found that the most important thing to agree on as early as you can in your child's life is how you will discipline, how will you approach discipline and mercy and grace yeah. because it's very hard to unlearn those, for your child to unlearn the patterns that yeah. you said. So you set them very early and they can, they, like you said, they learn how to manipulate that yeah. because and I think we've, I've seen even in families where the parents have 
been so different in their approaches to parenting, but they haven't put enough work into coming to a unified decision on it early yeah. mm-hmm. and they figure think that we'll just keep working on it but unfortunately it's a very difficult thing to keep working on as your kid grows older because it actually becomes harder and harder to get yeah. on the same page so I think it's really important to try to through counseling or you know like talking to your pastors and stuff like that to agree early on your child's life like this is how we are going to parent and not that you cannot make small changes along the way but if you're approaches to discipline are so wildly different and you have not yeah. talked about that yeah. or worked on it because your child is only two or three and you're like this time they're not a teenager yet you know and as we get there we will we'll cross the bridge when we get to it it's almost always too late yeah. at that point because your child by the time they're two or three have already learned a lot about what happens in your home <coughs> when something when yeah. they, when they yeah, survey or that's something right. yeah the, an, another point that you brought up Joanna I think is helpful and that is if you if you're trying to work through a difference of opinion about how to handle parenting, some aspect of parenting between the two of you, and you you can't come to you can't come to common ground on it, it's wise to go and speak with others mm-hmm. in the church. That's one reason we're in the church together, is to help each other. Um, so to come talk to pastors, to talk to other wise uh, couples, perhaps in the church, and seek their counsel. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I would recommend that the husband kind of take the initiative to be willing to do that. And I say that because uh, I would suspect that typically a husband would maybe be less willing to seek counsel, um, maybe, maybe giving into a sinful nature and some pride of, uh, about leadership in the family. But that it would be wise to go and seek counsel with others uh, together about that. Uh, and be ready, you know, of course you don't go into those conversations seeking counsel so that, aha, I told you. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, there needs to be lots of grace and understanding. And, yeah. and I think also when your children are very young, it's easy to be more pragmatic because their concerns are just, seem so external. There's not a lot going on below the surface, you know, emotionally. Yeah. And it's, but it's not helpful to make parenting choices based only on like behavior modification. I want my child to behave well in public. I don't want them to scream and run around in church. But I think thinking about the heart issue. So even as you come to some consensus on parenting, what you're trying to do is come to address the heart issues that you will keep addressing throughout their lives, uh-huh. not just something that's like a short-term thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 So I have a question. Just yeah. follow up. Okay. Um, so when someone, uh, you know, a couple um, are not in agreement on parenting and they come to the elders, what kind of wisdom are they expecting to receive from that conversation? Is it, let's just say it's a topic of discipline. Is it, oh yeah, do this, don't do that. Um, or is it, is it something else? You know, what should they be looking for, expecting, if they are not in agreement, when they go to others who, who are mature, godly wise in the church? What are they looking for? Yeah, what should they be looking what for? What should they be looking what, for? What should they expect? What should they be expecting? I have, I have other questions.
questions too, <laughs> even though I'm on the panel. <laughs> Sounds like you have an answer. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like an answer yeah. Um, but you can't come. You can't ask the stumper question. <laughs> yeah, I, <was> gonna say. <laughs> I mean, I can. I can start. I can just say maybe. Sure. But I'm. Sure. I'm curious to know what you all think as well. Sure. Um, I think. I think sometimes you know maybe there are very specific things that the couple disagrees on. Yeah. Um, mm. the, the husband and wife, and they may be expecting when they go sit with an elder for the elder to say, oh yeah, like you said, you know, do husband this, is wrong, do that. wife is right on yeah. this very specific thing. Yeah. Um, and maybe that is not a helpful expectation in like every disagreement uh, or sure. when there is lack of consensus. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think, I think th there could be situations where they come and like an elder care. says, yeah, I don't think that's very wise what you're doing. Or what you know, your and expectation may, is not right. Yeah, and it may be that one of this, you know, it's it's not necessarily going to be the case that neither spouse is correct, and there's a third way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, wouldn't that be convenient? Right. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> oh, we were both wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and I think I think I do think elders want to give counsel that works from wise principles mm -hmm. towards specific actions, yeah. you know. Yeah. So always trying to work towards helping church members make wise decisions themselves and understand what wisdom is in, in all kinds of different circumstances that we face, right? Because that's what we need for life. We need wisdom. We don't just need a long, extended list of do's and don'ts. Mm -hmm. Do yeah. this, don't do this, do this, don't do that. I mean, that's just not the way the Christian life works. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, that's what we're looking for, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Because, and when we so look... Easy. Yeah, and, we, and when, when we're looking for that, it means we're not leaning into our relationship with the Lord. Mm -hmm. We're just looking for the encyclopedia of parenting written by God. You know, just look up the heading and then, oh, steps one, two, three, four. But we have to pray. We have to look for wisdom. Yeah. So that's, maybe that's what you're that's, looking yeah, for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of wise principles first, yeah. moving towards specific applications in right. specific circumstances. Mm. And that's truly, really what you would want and look to elders for in for any question you're asking them. Mm -hmm. So it's possible that someone may walk away from a conversation with an elder or really another couple that is mature, not having all the answers, but still having some maybe biblical principles and wise principles yeah. that they then have to talk about applying in their yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think I think when there are situations that I'm, I mean, and there's lots of situations that I'm not sure about if someone in the church comes to me and says, what do you think I should do? Um, and I may, you know, I'm, again, I'm trying to work from wise principles towards specific applications and practical steps. Mm -hmm. I may say, I would, I, after some discussion, I may say, I, I don't think I would do X, Y, Z. Um, but unless I'm sure that it's 
probably sinful and really unwise, you know, I think I'm, I'm just going to give my opinion about it. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, there's a lot of And words. sometimes I think those conversations end in less, okay, now we know what to do, and more, um, oh, wow, here's how I need to love my spouse. Mm-hmm. You know, like, here's what yeah. I have. I came into the conversation with a, am I right and she's wrong, or am I right and he's wrong? Um, mm. And often the Lord is like, actually, I want to speak to you about mm. how to be more loving in your parenting towards your spouse. Mm. Be more loving towards your spouse as you parent together. Mm. Yeah. 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 Did we answer your question, Matt? I think so, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was just going to ask, how do you, uh, how, how much should you show, or let your child see conflict, um, but also, or hide it in a way, but yeah, also yeah. teach them how to have good conflict? Yeah. 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 I think you can. Yeah. We There's, could say more about that, just that uh, I know we're thinking of the same story. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a funny story. So when we, when our youngest daughter was the last one in the house, and she was probably 16, 17, Brian asked me one day, do you feel like we've modeled conflict well in front of our kids? And some background to that is that we came from really different families in terms of how to handle conflict. And so, and, and neither, um, neither. You know, did it well necessarily. Um, yeah, I mean, Joanne's family was much more kind of avoid conflict. Yeah, stuff it under the rug, carry on until you feel better. Right, just ignore it. And yeah, my family was much more just, you know, fight it out. Yeah, <laughs> just like love just, voices. you know, be loud, argue. Um, so our first week or two of marriage, I remember one time Brian said something kind of passionately, and I was like, don't yell. And he said, I'm not yelling. You know, like, there's a lot more volumes louder than this. It's really soft, you know. I haven't just started like yelling intense. yet, you yeah. know. I can yell. But it was, um, it was like, oh, wow, we really got a lot to work through about our expectations of how we deal with conflict. Because we needed to come to a healthy place together. So then there happened to be this situation where the three of us were in our bedroom, and somehow... Joanne? Well, can I say one more thing before you yeah, start? Yeah, sure. So our pattern was often that we would have our conflict in private. We would go to our bedroom. We would have our disagreements there. And um, and Brian, and that was kind of what prompted your question was, have we really modeled this well? Yeah. So, so anyway, there, there came this situation where in the bedroom, Emma was there, and we started having an argument. I can't even remember what it was about, of course. <laughs> something stupid yeah something stupid so we start having and, I, and I'm thinking oh, this is the time when we could we can have a, an argument and Emma can witness it and learn from us how we handle it turn it up in the midst and I remember and I remember I remember the argument began to build and build and build and all of a sudden I realized where did Emma go <laughs> Oh, she left. She slipped out of the room because, like, she just didn't want to be present. Yeah, she didn't see it as a teaching moment for her. To <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think I should sit here. She was like, this. I think she thought this is awkward. I'm leaving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think 
what we've concluded is just um, more of what I think we know, Matt, is that it's really important for our kids to see us apologize and acknowledge our sin to our spouse in front of them. And, um, and also that there's some security for children to know that their parents love each other. There's lots of security in that. And so we want to be careful about what they're able to handle kind of in terms of disagreements between parents. So I think it makes them feel safe and secure and loved and yeah. Yeah. I think also that when there is disagreement. So I think maybe my family is like by and family and this is always like, why are you yelling? I mean this is like yeah, yeah, yeah. We were in a store. And I didn't think I was yelling because we were in a store. And he's like, you're yelling. I'm like, this is not yelling. I'm in public. Yeah, <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would never yell in public. Yeah. He's like, you're yelling. Wait till you hear me yell. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, this is so calm compared to how I feel. But I think when we have, you have only one child, like you guys might have felt when Emma was at home. You know, they see more because they're yeah. just kind of there. You're always together. Yeah. They don't have anywhere else to go. So they oh. see everything. So I think Amelia gets to see maybe, we, we don't have that many arguments, but sometimes when we yeah. do, my reactions are always much more like explosive and Nissen's is much more like guarded. Yeah. Um, and so I'm not sure if we necessarily model arguing well. I don't know if we've arrived there yet, unfortunately, but I do feel like it's helpful because it is unnerving for children to see parents argue, whether it's modeled well or not. It's yeah. always unnerving to see parents disagree with each other, I think the reconciliation has to be modeled like 10 times more. Yes. Sort of just the pattern yeah. from scripture of like our sin and God's wrath and uh, the punishment and how much grace surpasses the judgment, you know, how much more it is in scripture. And so I feel like that has to be the pattern that kids see is like, oh, the reconciliation is so overwhelming. There's so much love and so much forgiveness and peace and joy in the home as it is at the end of the argument, as opposed to feeling like there's still tension, like four days later, and like, I don't know, everyone's walking on eggshells around each other, and I feel like that's more unhelpful than the actual moment of the argument. Yeah. Because Mm -hmm. then you feel like there's been a fracture in my parents' relationship that's not repairing. Right. And I think that's, um, I mean, I think even as a kid, for me, like, I would get frustrated with my parents when they would have a big like argument and I heard it and I was like what's going on why don't you just like forgive each other but if they didn't talk to each other well later that was more unsettling yeah, yeah. and I was like yeah. how bad was that argument because I just thought it was something that was going to pass right. but yeah. it seems to be continuing and they're like yeah. they don't love each other anymore yeah. you know? so I do think like modeling reconciliation and talking to your children so like when we had our argument Yesterday or before yesterday, <laughs> you know, like that's convenient. Yeah, we, we did it for this class. Just for all of you, we are here. <laughs> we wanted to prepare. Yeah. <laughs> um, we had the argument in front of Amelia, and she was very upset by it. And then we kind of sent her away and said, "Go play," which never ever happens because she just wanders back in afterwards. So we never actually get a moment of like privacy to have an argument. We, we were sitting by ourselves and I said, Let, we were talking about, like, yeah, let's pray. And then we realized, like, well, why won't we invite her in for that? Yeah. Like, we should invite her in when we pray and ask God and confess our sins before God because yeah. that's important for her to see yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so we 
invited her in and she prayed for us. We encouraged her to pray for your parents and pray that they would like love each other even when they are disagreeing. And yeah. Yeah. So it was actually a really, really sweet moment at the end. Um, but I think those kinds of things build confidence for children and their yeah. parents' relationships. So. That's so wise, Joanne. Yeah. yeah, I think that's wise. And I think also just to say, to name what happened, you know, as sin, mm-hmm. to say, uh, I was impatient with your dad and mm-hmm. I sinned mm-hmm. and I asked him to forgive me mm-hmm. and ask the Lord to forgive me and I want to ask you to forgive yeah. me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To just take those opportunities to mm-hmm. say what really happened, you know? And mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it forces parents to have to reconcile in a godly way because I feel like before you have kids, you yes. can kind of, you're as grown-ups, you just kind of are yes. like... I can go to work and not look at you for a few days, you know, as in like you can take your time. But I think with kids, it sort of forces you to reconcile quicker, reconcile better. Um, even if you don't feel like being affectionate with your spouse after you've had a big argument, mm-hmm. you almost have to, for the sake of your spouse and your child, you force yourself into that. And I think the more you do it, the easier it gets to forgive your spouse, yeah, to put sure. yourself yeah. in those positions. Yeah. Yeah. I, think, I think it's helpful, Joanne, what you said about also knowing how much the child can handle because we've also seen like families where it's the principle that you know they don't want to hide anything from the children yeah and maybe it is inconsiderate mm-hmm. because the child may not be able to understand or yeah. handle it and it's not it's not right or fair to expect that you yeah. know mm-hmm. um, and that takes wisdom, you know, so yeah. it's, it's not just uh, do this or don't do that. Yeah. Any other follow-up questions or another question entirely? I have another question, but it's a bit derivative. Uh, it's a bit unrelated. Um, okay. Parenting. That's okay. For this stage. But... Uh, if your child is grown and not following the Lord, yeah. how do you, and is living quite like a worldly, sinful life, how do you love them without affirming their lifestyle? Mm. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how to do that from first-hand experience, fortunately. Mm. Um, and... So I feel, <laughs> yeah, I think I would think in terms of principles, definitely, and not, I, I think you'd have to, um, I think I would want to uh, be honest with my, my adult child um, and, and tell them, and I suspect they would know, I would hope they would know mm-hmm. in some ways, but to be really clear, I think what you're doing is wrong. Um, I think what you're doing is dishonoring to the Lord. And I think I'm really worried about your eternal destiny. Um, given what your choices in life are saying about um, lack, your lack of faith or... So something, you know, things to that effect um, so that they know where we stand. Of course, 
we say that we we say that we say those things because we love them, um, um, and so we can we confront in love. I think you know if if your adult children then persist in those choices. I think <coughs> you have to a, a couple has to make decisions about what they're going to allow in their in their um, in their home, for example, um, like if your adult child is living with their uh, a girlfriend or a boyfriend, or a person of the same gender, or a person of the same gender. That's right. Are they going to let them come stay with you, come stay with you in your house? Yeah. You know that that's going to be a hard choice, or or even more extreme. What if what if they want to get married? You know, in a gay marriage, mm-hmm. are and you have, gonna, and have children, and are, right? Are you going to go to that? You know, those are all hard choices, I think. And um, I have an old uh, Christian colleague who um, I worked with in student ministry early on in the '90s, and um, she has a daughter who has transitioned mm-hmm. to to trying to live as a male, um, taking hormones, changed their name. Um, and this woman, uh, I'm not in touch with her, you know, in any substantial way. Uh, just Facebook, you know, for example. Um, but somehow, I mean, she's still living as a Christian, but she also affirms her daughter's transition and speaks of her as a male. Yeah, male pronouns. Yeah, and I just do not understand that. Um, I don't understand that. Um, And, you know, post things kind of proudly about uh, all three of her sons. And I'm just kind of like, I don't understand that. Um... I'm trying to think, like, how, or I'm asking myself, what's different than loving our neighbor, who's also not a believer, and living in one of these ways? Except the biggest difference is that you have deep grief because you love your child so much. Um, But I think we have to love them like we would love any Mm -hmm. non-Christian. but the hard parts, I think, are what you said, Brian, like, as you do family vacations and family celebrations, how do you navigate those things? Um, yeah. Yeah. How do you keep trying to share the gospel yeah. with them? And, of course, that's a, you know, yeah, anyway, those are really hard choices. I think it's also important to understand that if you have raised your children in a Christian home, when they get to that point in their lives, it's also hard for them to reveal to you what choices they have made for their lives. Yeah. And there is probably a fear of disappointment and a fear of abandonment from you yeah. as well if they know what your values are. So I yeah. do feel like it's important even in the teenage years to figure out and work through like disagreeing well with your children, arguing well with them, 
learning how to not get too emotional. I'm sure it's really, really difficult, but I feel like maybe working on those things early on to prepare yourself and them for a future where they may not necessarily agree with you on really important things yeah. so that you keep those lines of communication open so that they don't anticipate that you would immediately cut them off or get so emotional or angry that they would not have a voice with you. So you always want to keep yeah. that door open for the sake of the gospel so that one day if that they would see you as people that are trustworthy, yeah. Yeah. that they could come to if it's hard and that you wouldn't reject them and that yeah. you sort of model that from like I mean obviously from childhood but maybe puberty onwards when they start forming those like decisions about who are people they can trust in the world and yeah. what kind of people their parents are so so maybe that can be really helpful if you are people who are known to be reasonable and calm and able to disagree with your children without getting very emotional or angry Mm -hmm. And then maybe those lines of communication can be kept open even if they continue in sin. So yeah. you can be clear and say, you know us, you know that we don't agree with this. You are loved. We love your spouse even though we don't agree with your marriage. We love them as a person that we wish they would come to know Christ. Yeah. But we cannot condone any of your actions. We cannot say that we agree with your lifestyle. But yeah. you're, you're welcome in our home as long as you follow our rules. But we will not... We will not be ones to cut you out of our lives. Yeah. You know, yeah. We want to keep talking to you about our faith and things like that. So I feel like there have to be there should be some way to communicate to your child that you love them without getting emotional and angry about their choices, even though that might be what you feel in yes. your heart. Yes, yes. So yeah. two things. One, I think it's probably even more difficult if your child claims to be a Christian oh, yeah. and is living an obviously yeah. non Christian life. Versus a, a your yeah, child who says, "Yeah, mom and dad, I'm not a believer. I yeah. don't, I don't believe that. I'm not going to live like that." Yeah, that's yeah. almost easier in some ways. It's yeah. kind of like, "Oh, okay, we all agree you're not a Christian." Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so we that, don't have Christian expectations. So we don't have yeah. Christian yeah. expectations necessarily. Yeah. Um, the second thing is, um, you never stop being a parent. Mm -hmm. So, so I'm still Hannah's dad. You know, I'm still, we're still her parents. So don't think, okay, oh, parenting is until 18, or parenting is until, it's just Marriage. not true. It just changes. So you're always, you're always a parent. Um, yeah. Um, so I feel like, obviously, we don't have personal experience, but we have personal experience uh, dealing with other people's children, okay. you know, who are... Um, like yes. living in sin. Yeah. And I think the two things, maybe just to, this is maybe just a summary more than, but I think the two uh, errors that we are trying to avoid is one is the parents encouraging the child to be hypocritical, you know, by assuming that they are walking with the Lord when they are not. Mm -hmm. and, and maybe through that encouraging the child to then hide or not be themselves or not even say, uh, you know, what they really think because they feel like they have to conform. Yeah. Um, but the other extreme is just even um, the license to just do, not being clear that, you know, we, we don't agree and mm -hmm. this is sin. Um, but I was going to ask you two questions. Is there a value, is there value, like, 
even when you think about teenage children or even like children that are in college, um, as parents to find other people that may be good influence in their lives and um, it may take off the pressure of even just them having to deal with their own parents about these issues, but they may not be even going to church or, uh, you know, what yeah. is the value of like oh, man. finding someone else to, that could be good influence. Oh, yeah. People who've invested in our children spiritually, I'd do anything for them. <laughs> I mean, I'm just so grateful, you know, and yeah, um, yeah I just... I don't think it relieves you of right, the responsibility right. no, no, no. of pressing in in relationship. You're not delegating. Yeah, you don't want to delegate relationship. Um, yeah. I still feel that, though. Even though my kids are believers, I feel like, yeah, if someone spends time with them and disciples them and uh-huh. prompts them towards Christ, uh-huh. I'm yeah. so grateful for that partnership, yeah. you know, and spurring them on spiritually. And for non-Christian, or, you know, when they're younger and thinking about what they believe, uh, I'm so grateful for Uh people who come alongside and help them think through that in ways that don't have the parent-child, you know... Dynamic. Dynamic. Yeah, Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Dynamic. For better or for worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That... It's just, it means the world. It makes me want to go invest in people who aren't my children, mm-hmm. yeah. likewise, yeah, you know, yeah. like, just yeah. to spur others on. Yeah, we had a, we had a student that came to Christ uh, in August in Sharjah, and, um, you know, when that student was getting baptized, you know, like, the things that uh, he maybe recounted were influences in his mm-hmm. life were his mom and uh, focus and church. And so, you know, the mom was praying and sharing the gospel, but also there were other people that, you know, the Lord brought into this person's life that, you know, enabled them to hear the gospel and trust in Jesus. Mm. Yeah, Yeah, that's great. Other questions? I have a question. Okay. Charlotte will probably go to school next year. So I feel like I've been thinking a lot about how to prepare her to be around so many different influences for the first time. Yeah. You know, and even there have been some instances where, um, like, our nanny, for example, has said, oh, we met we met a, another kid walking outside, and they invited us to come over to their house. And um, Mark and I haven't felt comfortable with her at her age yet to like let her go over to somebody else's house especially when we haven't met them yeah but i'm just anticipating like that's just going to continue you know that she'll be exposed to other people that we don't know very well whereas we're so used to just being within our church community that she's close with people in the church yeah so how do you kind of and i know you guys have just gone through this recently and i'm trying to remember (laughs) from my like five-year-old perspective yeah but just how did you make decisions together about um, being careful about how your child is exposed to other children and non-Christian families? I think both like in social situations where she might get invited to go over um, to places or like also just at school, like so many hours pass and you're not there, you know? Yeah. So yeah. 
just yeah. trying yeah it's a little scary in some way that I think it'll be exciting but also scary mm. so just how did you sort of prepare mm. your kids for that and how did you make decisions as a family about when and how and under which circumstances mm. to like allow them to be around other kids you guys are living it you mm. speak mm. to that first I think when I was growing up um, my parents had these like relationships in the church and those were people who were my friends but they weren't none of them were believers and so I did it wasn't much different between like my friends at church and my friends in mm-hmm. school and I feel like we're living a bit of a different life than the one we grew up and I'm happy we're happy for Amelia at a young age to have friends her primary friends be at church there's not that many of them and we do want to we keep encouraging our church friendships as like our primary friendships this is yeah. our like family and so we keep we keep reinforcing those friendships as being primary even in her own mind um, and that's one of the reasons why i think having meaningful membership in the church is really important mm-hmm. yeah because there's a greater sense of assurance that member families that are in the church are being led by parents who are genuine believers versus a church that doesn't have meaningful membership and oh these people have been attending for a long time so we just consider them members but who knows mm-hmm. if they really know what the Lord or, yeah. Yeah. so anyway sorry to interrupt Joanna but <laughs> no, no, always no. some teaching about ecclesiology yeah. that we can turn to um, so so I think that that would be the first thing I would keep emphasizing um, but you know the It, it goes really fast like Amelia has been in school for two years and already I've, we've been talking about how you can't actually choose your kids friends yeah. in school you can choose your children's friends in church but they <laughs> usually develop their own friendships with like somebody that they choose that they get along with mm. and we've had that experience of feeling like that may not have been exactly what who we would pick <laughs> to be your friend um, but I think When you send your child to school, you're sending them out into the world and you want to teach them how to talk to anybody mm-hmm. and to interact with anyone um, and to be able to interpret what they hear out in the world in light of scripture. Mm-hmm. So I think it starts like very simple at a younger age, but as you get older, the understanding quickly develops and I think you can quickly start teaching harder and harder lessons. about the world. But the fact is that when your children are out with other friends at school, they're going to pick up things that they would never have been exposed to in your home. Mm-hmm. They're going to learn things that you wouldn't have wanted them to, and that's just a fact of life. Yeah. But I think really hearty and strong teaching of scripture at home can counteract some of those things mm-hmm. and can really help your child know how to interpret what they hear at school. So just an example, this uh, two weeks ago, Amelia had in her school Mindfulness Week. Mm. And so they had this like yogi come <laughs> teach them yoga. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay, yoga's exercise I suppose. <laughs> so then I asked Amelia because you know, because we understand the world so much better than them, we can ask them questions that help them process. So I asked her like, did you have to say anything? And she said, yeah, we had to say I am healthy, I am smart, I am kind, I am fulfilled or whatever. And I was like, okay. <laughs> And you know it led to a really good conversation because I asked her like do you think that's a good thing to say or a bad thing? And she said I think it's okay. And then I said 
do you know what the people who say that believe? They believe that if you say it, there's some power in you and in the world that's not God that makes those things happen. Because of your words and your power, you can make yourself healthy. And do we believe that from scripture? And she was like, no, only God can make us healthy. And see, you know, it was a small lesson, but really significant. Really, Really, really important to be able to interpret like the new age theology that they're going to keep facing as they get older. Yeah, and you know, it's a a very simple lesson for a child to understand like who makes us healthy, who makes us wise. And so Amelia said, and I said, you can pray in your mind. Even if you have to say those things, you don't have to say that. You can pray in your mind and thank God for those things because you are healthy and you are kind and God has given you these gifts. And so she was like, maybe I can say it in my mind. And I was like, that's a good idea. <laughs> you can pray in your mind, you know. Yeah. So, so, so can I ask a question about that? What if people can't discern? <laughs> it's like a plant on the So, so what, what if it is hard to know like what they are being taught or exposed to, it's not it's not necessarily sin, sinful. No, right. You know. So what if people can't tell if this is good or not? What my child is being exposed to? What if people can't discern the spirit of the age? You know. Um, <laughs> and uh, what? Yeah. What? What advice would you? What do you mean? What if they didn't have the insights that Joanne yeah, yeah, had yeah, about correct, like, exactly. mindfulness and yeah, mindfulness, the fact that know, a yogi? How many people are going to question like, is mindfulness good or not for my child? You know? Well, I mean, I think honestly, you need to learn the difference. It's why you need to always be learning what it means to be a Christian, fundamental Christian beliefs, and how they are at odds with what the world mm-hmm. says. So you need to learn about how the spirit of the age is different than what we learn. You need to know that as parents, not just for yourself, but for your children, so that you can, and if you can explain it in simple terms to someone like Amelia, I mean, this is is why um, parenting teaches you to be a discipler. Uh, you know, uh, it teaches you to be a discipler, not just for children, but for young Christians uh, who are 25 years old, uh, who need to have, who yeah. can handle words that are a little bit bigger than Amelia uh-huh. can handle. Yeah. But you need to explain it in those kinds of simple terms. Uh, so you need to pray and ask the Lord to help you be wise about the spirit of the age. Uh, and I think too, I mean, you don't want to make your child suspicious of their schools and their friends. But I think as parents, Christian parents, we want to be very aware. And I would, I'm happy to use the word suspicious of everything that is your child is exposed to because it is better to be more, to go into it with like open eyes and being aware that there's so much out there that sneaks into your children's teaching yeah. um, than to just say like, it's a great school, I'm in a Muslim country, how bad could it be? Because it's mm-hmm. not the big lessons that your kid will hear in the U.S. You know, you're not, they're not going to teach them transgenderism and things like that. But, not yet. Well, so far. <laughs> Nothing yet in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, you, there's subtle lessons that are constantly being taught to your child. And so you, to treat all, everything with, like, a healthy dose of suspicion. So even their own friendships with their friends, to ask questions that help you understand what is lacking in your child's understanding. Mm. So you don't want to make your child think, oh, my friend is a terrible person. Yeah. But you want to know what your friend, child's friend is saying so yeah. you can give them the tools to be able to. Um, so, so like with Amelia, a friend is saying things like, um, like copying her answers on the test. Mm. <laughs> so 
you know, you don't want to put your child's friend down, but yeah. you also want your child to understand how to navigate sure. that sense of injustice that they feel. Yeah. Um, so, or like your friend trying to teach you bad words. <laughs> so yeah. you're like, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, how do you, like, oh, we use our words for good, you know. So you can tell yeah. your friend, I don't want to learn bad words. I want to learn words that, like, help others. And yeah. How much yeah. do you guys feel like you should discourage those friendships or... You know, and, and just say, like, well, we're not going to go over that person's house. Or, you know, what about if you choose to, how much do you feel like that you have the power to do that? Or, like, you, sh- you know, yeah. in what moments do you think it's important to steer them away and use your influence or yeah. your authority even to... Mm-hmm. I would say you're wise to do that. And I think, I think you just in the, the situations that you've described, mm-hmm. you don't know the families yeah. around here... Absolutely, don't, you don't know what's going on in those homes. Yeah, you know, yeah. and you don't want your child, and especially, especially with, in this day and age, a greater awareness about sexual abuse, yeah. Yeah. which is, you know, in some ways maybe the worst kinds of things that could happen. Yeah. you just don't. So a number of families won't even let sleepovers happen. Yeah. Maybe even with families in the church. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And unless you know that family really, really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I think, and I think that's understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, there were even situations when we, you know, there were close ministry families that we, you know, we were like, okay, we don't want... We love that family. We love their kids. We're as close to them as anybody. And yet, we're making some slightly different decisions about how we're going to live as a family mm-hmm. or, you know, how decisions get made in the family, mm-hmm. let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so we had to draw some lines there. Mm-hmm. Um, Did that bring, like, was that hard sometimes with your friendship with those grown-ups? Mm-hmm. <laughs> wasn't super confrontational necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like just more like, subtle. Just like deciding who who are we gonna be as a family. Mm-hmm. And I think you're always evaluating are my kids leaders or <coughs> followers? Mm-hmm. Are my kids influencing or being influenced? Of course there's a mix of both, but like how's that seesaw mm-hmm. leaning? Mm-hmm. And that kind of impacts when you might need to step in a bit mm-hmm. more. And that's going to constantly be changing. So, yeah. so much conversation is required. So much conversation. And that's a good thing. Like, mm-hmm. like Joanna's um, given this great example about mindfulness. Um, I can think of, you know, our kids going through um, world history classes and learning about the Protestant Reformation. Mm-hmm. from a very slanted perspective Mm -hmm. you know and then Mm -hmm. just not being like shocked by that but Mm -hmm. saying okay let's talk about what happened from a Christian perspective Mm -hmm. or of course creation is going to bring up those topics as Mm -hmm. well Mm -hmm. you can't say how dare you teach evolution in school Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know it's more like okay when my kids hear about evolution what are we going to talk about at home? What are we going to refer to that we've already talked about at home? Mm, mm. And how are we going to reinforce that? I mean, 
probably the bigger frustration for me with education is that I want teachers to teach my kids to think. And so ideally, I would love them to say, these are the different views of creation. Yeah. You should decide what you think. But that's not how it goes in school, you know? And so yeah. you have to be that at home. Uh, you have to keep presenting, like, yes, some people believe that. Uh -huh. Here's what the Bible says, and uh -huh. here's what Dad and I think, uh -huh. you know. Um, One really subtle thing that I, I remember thinking is that, uh, for example, in school, in their school, it was like, of course, the, a lot of the mantra was, be a change agent in the world. You know, be, be, become a person who, you know, and that all slants towards typically, you know, be a scientist that cures cancer, be, um, you know, work with refugees. A lot of times it's social justice stuff, yeah. which... Again, we're not. I'm not against social justice in general. Be tolerant. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, but but change the world. Yeah. But it was never like. Um, actually, if you become a good father and a good mother, you will be a change agent in the world. Actually, the most powerful kind of change agent in the world. Um, that wasn't the message. Yeah. But that's the message at home. Like yeah. The message at home is follow Jesus and live for him uh, and you will be the greatest change agent uh, that God would ever, you know, so you're, yeah. you see that, that's a subtle message that you, your children are hearing at school yeah. and it's not all bad, yeah. but it's not all good either. Like what yeah. do we value and how do you define greatness? Yeah. Right, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. What, exactly. What do we, do, how do we define greatness? That's right. Yeah. It's not like you went to MIT and you figured out how to, you know, generate energy from cold fusion. I don't know. I, I say, oh, well, I was just going to make a general comment about school. <coughs> I think we've had a variety of experiences in school in terms of public school in the U.S., private school in Dubai, and some homeschooling. And um, with school, because you're constantly evaluating that influence thing, it's okay to change what you're doing with school if you feel like this isn't going well, you know? And so I think instead of saying, like, I'll never homeschool or I'll never send my kids to private school, you know, don't say never. Keep asking the Lord, like, how are they doing? What's happening in their lives? Um, are they being overly influenced in these ways that we don't want um, hold on, there's one more thought with that. You go, and I'll, I'll think of it. I think I was just going to say about friends again, just the, like I said, your kids will probably make friends with children in school, and you might not be able to control it. Like sometimes mm -hmm. you're at a table group, like with Amelia's mm -hmm. case, the friend who's her best friend is just the person she sees for like seven hours a day. Yeah. Right? She just sits and does everything with this person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you don't have to, if you're not very confident about that relationship, you don't have to supplement it yeah. with like, let's go do play dates and things like yeah. that. You know, you can suggest other You can suggest other people you do play dates with that you also want, like children in right. the church and things right. like that. But if it is a person who you think is a good friend to your child and a good influence on them, you can even if you don't are not sure about like every aspect of the parents' lives and the family's life, but the child yeah, yeah, is a yeah. good friend and a good influence. Mm. It's okay to 
invest in that friendship mm. for the sake of your child. Yeah. And you may have an awkward relationship with the parents and you may be like, these are never people I would ever really be friends with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you kind of do it for the sake of your child if you think that the child is mm. a good friend, That's you great. know. And so it doesn't have to be the same level of investment in the relationship that you would do for Christian friends. Yeah. Yeah. But you can help your child or discourage your child very subtly mm. based on what you're observing about how the friendship's progressing. So like even we are a bit ambivalent about this current friendship. Where we're like, like we could be really good friends with their parents, but do we want to? We have to we're still waiting to see how it pans out before we invest more in this because yeah. it becomes harder for the child to then you know, sure. if the ties need to be severed ever down the line, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah. So. Can I, I want to bring up, we're... Can I just say two things real quick? Come on, come on. Okay, okay. You don't want to wrestle okay, for okay. it. It's, it's 11 o'clock. cool is that it brings so many great um, conversations as you coach your children as they enter the world. So you coach them, they're under your roof. You're walking, you're debriefing every day. And those are just great opportunities. So that was one thing I was thinking about. The other thing is make your house the fun house to come to. So invite kids to your house instead of sending them to a home where you really don't know what happens. Okay. No, it's okay. It's okay. I just wanted to talk about sex. So... Uh, like, as we close... This is my reputation, too. Um, yeah, I, I wanted, and I don't know if any of you all would have, but I wanted, uh, I didn't have time to fit it into one of the classes necessarily, but when and how do you begin to teach your children about sex? And I, I would say very early. Very early. But you teach it at the appropriate age level of description mm. and and you start with principles about you know how what God intended for marriage mm. and how God designed for babies ideally to be born between a mom and a dad who are married to each other mm. um, and you know, and you can say things even even for very young children, you know, to tell them, you know, and, and they will ask questions and you should address their questions mm. in an age appropriate level. Think about it for just a minute. You might say, well, those things, you know, in my family, they weren't talked about actually maybe ever. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a mistake, I think. That's a big mistake. Because in that case, you're letting the world or some other source of information instruct your child. And it will. And it will. The world will instruct your child about sexuality and sex. And you don't want that. You want to be the fount of information and the one who willingly answers the questions that your children have. So they know, if I have a question, oh, I can go to mom and dad. They don't like brush those questions off and go, oh, I don't know, let's change the subject. Um, They're going to tell you the truth. Yeah, they tell you the truth. Again, at an age-appropriate level. Um, And I just lost my train of thought. Um, Were you going to give us an example? Oh, I know what I was going to say. Just think about it for a moment. 
If you think, oh, well, there's nothing in the Bible about teaching your children about sex. Well, there's a lot. If you're going to teach the, the Bible to your children, uh-huh. there's lots of stuff in there about sex. Yeah. Um, so don't just skip over Psalms of Solomon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And think about it. You know, you think, well, I don't know if that happened back in that day and age. Look, that was an agricultural society. Are you kidding? They owned animals that bred on the farm. <laughs> From a very young age, your child would not only have known about sex, but would have seen sex between animals. <laughs> yeah. And they, you know, so they would change un- the channel when that happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, look at those frogs yeah, yeah. hugging each other. What is the bull and the cow doing? You know. Um, <laughs> and I think with that, it's helpful to think it's not just like one conversation that's so often depicted in the world but it's this ongoing conversation that's unfolding as their questions and your intentionality so you're not just waiting for questions you're you're being intentional to bring it up and um, you're doing that in a way that gradually reveals more details and that gets really tricky when you start to talk about desire you know, it's not just this mechanical conversation anymore. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. oh, how am I going to deal yeah. with that part? You know? Yeah, we but, had we had a close family friends who's who were instructing their their young boys about you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. finally they kind of they there was you know uh, the day when they realized mechanically what happened between mom and dad for them to be conceived. <laughs> and they were shocked and aghast. And I think one of them said, do they do that all the time? And you know, I think the older boy said, well, duh, they did it three times, because there's three of us. <laughs> but I think that was the extent of what they thought. Yeah, yeah. As being, as being a part of the covenant marriage and things like that and what that means. Right. Yeah. Right. But just as a parent of a young child, yes, yes. the mechanical aspect of it, which yeah. is probably what most parents mm-hmm. feel trepidation about explaining. Yeah. I mean, like that step from a little part of the dad and a little yeah, part yeah, of the exactly. mom. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, how does that really yeah. happen? The part yeah. that makes your child want to like have the earth swallow them up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Conversation with you. At what mm-hmm. age would you Even have? Yeah. <laughs> She's like, this is really awkward sitting here. <laughs> 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 At what age? What age? I mean, I think it depends on the kids. Some okay. kids are very curious and they have lots of questions and they keep pressing with questions. Mm. And sometimes you might be like, we'll talk about that some more mm. later. Yeah. There's others who are like, don't talk to me about that. This is embarrassing. They both That's need typically in the older. That's you know, like maybe 11 teen, or 12. Teen, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Closer to teen years. But like, uh, like I'm, because the, there's so many... Nine? Nine? Okay. Because you're also Alex. like, you also are giving... It's like telling your child there's no Santa Claus. You know, you're kind yeah. of like, this information is going out into the world with you. Like, well, it's true, yeah. so yeah. there's that. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, you guys, when Hannah first asked questions, she was super chatty as a little kid. I think she was like four or five when she asked about the Christmas story. Why did Joseph have in mind to divorce Mary? Well, what are you going to say to that, right? Like, how do you get around the fact that uh, you, you have to talk about sexual intercourse? And she, 
and I was just so nervous because it's the first time we'd ever talked about it. And so I explained to Hannah what I thought was right for her age, and I said, you can ask me or dad anything about this, but don't talk to your friends about it because their parents want to be the ones to talk to them about it. And That's then good. I was like, good night, love you, good night, <coughs> leave the room, go out. And I'm like, Brian, you'll never believe what just happened. <laughs> <laughs> and then come back by the room like 15 minutes later where she's sharing a room with her two-and-a-half-year-old sister. And she, I hear, now, Sarah, you can ask me or mom or dad. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, wow, that didn't last very long. <laughs> so you do have to be careful because it is a parent's privilege. I think that's the key. It's your privilege to teach your child, to be the source of information. And it fits in with so many other parts of the world that they're going to encounter, like, well, what does this bad word mean? Uh, well, this is what that word actually means, but uh, we we think of this as a good thing yeah, that God yeah. made. That's right. And so from an early age to be teaching, and sometimes as Christians it's hard to think this way, that this is a good thing uh, that God made. So let that be your mantra, you know, that uh-huh. um, help them to always think of it that way, but it's it's made for a particular context, ideally. Um, I feel like even if you told your kids they're nine or something, I feel like now I'm, my fear is that they're going to hear from someone who's a seven-year-old. Well, they yeah. will. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the they world will. is so it's so public now. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of parents are just very open and not very careful at what they talk about at home, or they use yeah. a lot of bad language, and yeah. you know, so it, it's more. So I've been thinking like, should we yeah. start now? Like yeah. maybe by seven, because I I feel like someone's going to say something in school. <laughs> Yeah, and you want to be the first. Uh-huh. Oh, great! We had the, we had the and this is these are old now. I don't know when oh, wow, they were they the when they were published. Those are really old. retro. Really old. Yeah, very retro. retro. The colors. <laughs> yeah, the uh, ninety five. Oh. Um, so this. Ah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. Let's be more. You you were born after ninety five. Oh my goodness. Yeah. He's brand new. So, <laughs> so you can see the, these are like, it, they're like stages, ages three to five, the story of me. And the next one is ages five oh, to eight, beautiful. before I was born. And then book three, what's the big deal, why God cares about sex. This is ages eight to 11. Yeah. And then book four, 11 to 14, facing the facts, the truth about sex and you. So these are Christian books that kind of, walk you through explaining age-appropriate. Age appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you know, we've got, we've got diagrams in the, in the last one. Yeah. So. <laughs> and more just like, oh, like airbrush anat- pictures. Anat- anatomical anatomical diagrams. That yeah. Where you're teaching about anatomy and how that yeah. actually happened. So, and that's in the 11 to 14. What's but the CE's called? Pardon? What's it's called, it's called God's, God's Design, Design for Sex. Wonder if it's Stan and Brenna Jones. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I think whether you these you can actually get your hands on these or not, still um, the principle <laughs> is really helpful of mm-hmm. stages of explanation. There's also at the bookstore at church. There's a series God made. You know, God made boys and girls. I think I mentioned that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A really good one. 
and it talks about your gender being a gift from God. Yes. And it explains some of the biology of our chromosomes and how we can't change that, you know? That's great. So it's right. so good. And then, like, God made all of me is about your body. And it specifically has some, like, stuff for young kids about guarding against... Yeah, yeah. Uh, the like, silence, right? Touch. Um, oh, no, not His is a God-made... Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a different that's one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's in that same series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've just realized, like, like I've heard you say this before, but it just requires so much repetition, even talking about basic things, like mm. what are your private parts? Mm. I asked Charlotte this morning, what are your private parts? And she said her belly button and her underarms. So <laughs> I'm like, he went to the clothes. So just like, you know, just repetition but I was like oh these books are helpful to keep reading as a family yeah. it's not just like a one time sit down and those are yeah. and obviously it's touching on issues that are even more prominent in society now yeah. which are issues of transgenderism mm. yeah. and gender fluidity but yeah. some of that is a good foundation for talking about oh sex. absolutely oh, yeah that we believe, we believe <laughs> gender is determined by sex yeah, yeah. Um, not by what you feel about yourself, which, you know, there's terms like gender dysphoria, which is basically the term for when a person is confused about their gender. Um, um, Can I say something else? Too? Yeah. I, I think it was interesting because when I, I have a distinct memory of being a young, maybe seven-year-old or something, and kids at school telling me what they thought, like yeah, what yes. sex was. was. And I just remember thinking, like, that's not true. Like, you don't know the real truth about uh, how God made this and, uh, you know, what it is. And I just remember being, like, as I've thought about that memory throughout the years, being really thankful that mm. you guys taught me first. Yeah. yeah. You know, what... That's great. Yeah, so I was able to discern, to and I don't even know if I said anything, but <laughs> to the friends... But sure. I just remember knowing in my mind, like, feeling confident that that was wrong. Yeah. 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 And uh, they were just, I mean, even on the way driving over here, we had a first conversation with Amelia about divorce. Yeah. Oh, and she was yeah. like, I don't understand. And, yeah. You know, like, we so... talked to her about marriage and divorce mm, and mm, what mm. the Bible says about it yeah. and stuff like that. So just, like, brand new. She had, like, never heard the word before. But I was like, you might have friends with divorced parents. It's good for you to know mm. what, yeah, yeah, what yeah. that means. So. Yeah. Wow. It's 11.18. I don't know if you all have more questions. Yeah. I just wanted to ask uh, two questions I had in my mind. Uh, just recently talked about sex, right? So in our culture, in our society, and as open here in Western society, it's very really like secret in, in our society. It's what? Secret. secret. It's very secret. Secret. Like, secret. Uh, yeah, Private. If children come to and ask parents about sex, and they, how dare you to talk about it? Mm. You, you, you shouldn't talk about it. Mm. Sure. Yeah, they have that, that kind of, you know, the, the concept about sex. So they don't teach their children. And obviously they will learn from the world, of you course. know, because yeah. they are not teaching. Parents are not teaching, and they are hesitant, and they never open about it. Mm. So how to you know, counsel, and how to teach, how to apply this, this kind of, you know, yeah, yeah when it's a culture. new idea culturally to yeah. talk about it, sex. It's really, yeah. I think it's foreign. I think in our cultures, honestly, the 
root problem is that we have made sex as something that is shameful and dirty. Yes. And I think that even married people think of it as something that is dirty. That they ha- that they do because they cannot control their lusts or they do because they must have children and they don't see it as something that is to mm-hmm. build the relationship between the husband and wife. So I would say the teaching has to start with more teaching about marriage to married couples or to singles so that they start to develop an idea that this is actually God's gift and that we that it is such a beautiful thing yeah. and there is no need to be ashamed of it of course you don't want to be shameless about it but you want to also in your own mind love it and see it as something that is like God's a representation of God's love for us so i think that's honestly where the problem is is it seen as a shameful thing that people are ashamed to even yes. admit that they might have had sex with their spouse to have a child like it's like you know you don't want anyone to think that way about you so and i feel like once you start there it becomes easier to talk to your children because then you are not i think people don't like to talk to their kids because they are ashamed to talk about it not because they are worried the kid will be ashamed you know so they feel embarrassed to talk about it so and no one talked to them so and no one yeah, talked yeah. to them like my mom, my mom said that no one ever talked to her until like the week before her wedding and she was like i would never have agreed to this like nobody <laughs> prepared me for that i'm not ready for that yeah. i mean can you imagine how awful it must be and some people yeah. don't have that conversation maybe they grew up in a community where they haven't heard of it at all so and they don't find about it till their wedding day can yeah. you imagine yeah. so common but, but it's also important you know you shouldn't assume that in western culture families do what we're telling you to do this is not normal for western families to speak about it in good and godly ways from an early age there are many western families that treat it just like you're describing they watch it on tv with their kids but they don't talk about it with their kids so yes the society in the west is more explicit and more explicitly pornographic but it doesn't mean that so don't take us as westerners and think mm-hmm. oh most of, oh that's the way it is in america it's not true it's not even true unfortunately for most christian families in america mm-hmm. they're not doing it generally well enough um, and joanna you know you, you mentioned i really appreciate your comment about that about marriage i i got a prayer letter recently from a Christian leader in India in Andhra Pradesh and he had just led a marriage seminar for pastors and their wives that are under his direction and care and supervision and in the letter he talked about how many of these pastors um believed that sex was wicked and bad that's how uninformed they were that's how they viewed marriage they viewed sex as dirty even between a christian man and his wife um and that wives had very distorted views of uh sex and he describes it in this you know and it just was it's so sad but of course it was happy in some ways because he was instructing them in this it just reinforces yeah. what you're saying can i also just say i think i mean i think i understand the I understand the mm-hmm. difficulty in even getting the parents to think differently because I think 
maybe you didn't intend it to be compared to like the Western culture. Whether it's compared or not, we still have a problem mm. in the mm. culture we are in, you know, the Eastern culture as to how do we get the parents to think about dealing with this with their children, right? I think it maybe I'm just thinking what are like the first steps, right, to help parents or churches begin to see that they need to be involved. I think it might be helpful to maybe show the problem that they may all agree with. Like everyone agrees, oh yeah, what do we do with our teenage children? How do we help them more? They are being exposed to mm-hmm. pornography and mm-hmm. things online. So talk about something that they can all identify as a problem. So they can relate with you that this is something they need to do something about. And then I think the the maybe the next step is some teaching on how somebody is discipling your children. It is either you as parents mm-hmm. or it is the world, their friends and social media. Um, and so in the context of discipling, it may be something that the parents are more willing to think about. Yeah, this is yeah. this is some so but but they need to be discipling in other conversations too, you know. Mm-hmm. But one of the important conversations the parents need to be involved in is the conversation about sexuality mm-hmm. and uh, taking them back to the Bible. I think, I'm just thinking like what would be the first steps because it's such a big shift, you know, yeah, yeah, culturally yeah. in the, yeah. in those churches to go from like, oh yeah, we've never done it to yeah. like. Yeah, yeah. That's Don't right. you think there would be also more hand holding required? Like if you are not used to ever having conversations about this, even with your peers, and no one has ever spoken to you in a good way about this, maybe it requires the churches to provide much more help upfront until people get used to it. So like saying, this is an example of what you can do with your kids. Take them to this part in the Bible. Ask them this question. Or this, like demonstrate, like maybe act out or show them a conversation that you could have with your children or give them questions that they can ask. So you might have to do a lot more hand-holding to show them what they can do. Yeah, that's right. As opposed to saying, go and start talking to your kids about this. Yeah, that well, where do like, I start? I have, what do I say? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. And, you know. and the, the husband and wife may not, and are likely not having even conversations between themselves yeah, yes, yes. about their own physical relationship. Yeah, yeah. It, everything's unspoken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and and that. So it's a know, completely brand new thing. Yeah. To think so about. if they can't talk to each other about it, how yeah. are they going to talk to their children? About Even it? going it's back a step, I was thinking how it's helpful to use premarital counseling mm. as another starting place mm. to foster that idea that this is a good, important part of your marriage. You need to talk about it together. Yeah. Yeah. You need to prioritize it. Just that this is good, this is good, this is good, as yeah. opposed to this is shameful, dirty, yeah, yeah. wrong. Yeah. But no, this is like glue in your marriage. You know, yeah, that yeah, yeah. That is so important. That's, That's right. That's another starting point. That's of right. Just changing mindsets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Even in the premarital counseling. Even in premarital yeah. counseling, mm-hmm. yeah. As pastors. That's a good place, I think. Yeah, so that, yeah probably, yeah. Thanks. And another, I'll just give you some, you know, uh, like, uh, how the parents can counsel a child uh, who is already grown up in an ungodly way yeah. and uh, he is very much rebellious to his parents all the time, disobedient. Rebellious. Yeah, rebellious. And, he, and uh, these parents come to the pastors and he asks, uh, how can I help my you know, child? He is very much disobedient and he is not coming to the church and he is not obeying me. 
and he's totally like you know like yeah on like how old like how a teenager you're talking like he's, he's teenager like, like 15 15 and yeah okay. 15 14 15. so still in the house like yeah. not married yeah, or yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah yeah thanks it's very tough and uh, uh, this parents is very much you know he is he's hopeless about yeah. his about his yeah. you know, the boy Feels about his child how can I help my you know son I think he's he's dead and I wish to uh, you know kill him and he's he's no more my son he has that kind of bitterness in his mm. because of his behavior so how pastor can help mm. in that situation Ooh, we'll let the pastors answer. <laughs> I think it requires emergency measures. <laughs> um, because you only have a little while longer. And the parents need to sit down with their child and say, we've made some mistakes. Um, but this is what we want to, and, and we want to ask for your forgiveness. But here's how we're going to begin living in our home. And um, here are going to be, you, you need to learn to honor us and to obey us. And there are going to be consequences. So they need to implement some of those practices of there are consequences for disobedience. There's consequences for dishonoring a parent, you know, speaking poorly poorly to the parent, for example. Um, and and I, one, one thing I would say is that as long as your child is under your house, under your leadership in the house, that your child must live by your rules in the house. And that means attending church. So if you have a 13-year-old, a 14-year-old who says, I don't want to go to church. I'm not going to church anymore. I don't think that's allowed. Mm. I think you say, I'm sorry you feel that way. Um, tell me about why you don't want to go to church. You know, um, you, can, you, can, you can try to understand the child why they don't want to go. Maybe they think it's boring. Of course, they think it's boring if they're not a Christian probably, <laughs> uh, and, you know, but I think you say, well, but you must go with us while you must attend. This is, these are our rules while you're under our leadership. Um, anyway, those are just some. Yeah, I was, I was also going to, I was also going to add, I think, you know, the root of bitterness in the dad's heart is a lack of understanding of the gospel, isn't it? Yeah. Because if they know how rebellious they have been against God and how compassionate and forgiving God has been with them, then they have no excuse to not show compassion and patience towards their own children, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a conversation about the gospel and understanding the gospel. But then the second thing is, I think it's also helpful to maybe teach them about the difference between how God treats his children, who he disciplines, and his enemies, who he judges. There's a big difference between discipline and judgment. Mm. So when the father says, I will kill him, that's not discipline out of love, you know. Um, and is he, does, he, does he want his son to be restored? And is that why yeah, he's upset? Right. Or is he upset because his son is, making, is shaming him, is making him shame, shamed in the community? So when he wants to 
separate himself from his son? Is he doing that because he thinks his son will be restored to God or because he doesn't have to bear the shame of his son? And so to ask the father, you might be shamed. People might hate you because of your son. But are you willing to bear that till your son is restored to God? And he has to be sure that he's willing to sacrifice all of his reputation and everything for his son so his son's soul is saved. So he has to decide, is his own life better, more valuable than his son's? You know, that that's a conversation he needs to have with his wife mm-hmm. and be sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there certainly are different cultural, could be different cultural yeah. um, dynamics happening. Yeah, I mean, in our communities, like, you know, even with the communities you grew up, if your daughter became pregnant at 15 or your son was doing drugs or got arrested, I mean, it was sometimes... It felt more comfortable to, like, cut your child off yeah. than right, say, it, I accept my child, that my child... Wait, hold on. That my child has shame and has done something wrong, but I want to help to restore them. Like, you know, it, it, it just kind of destroys your family. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but unfortunately, that's kind of... Yeah. That's the price of being a parent is sometimes your life is... Yeah. You're, you have shame because of your child and that's Even, and, and because of that shame issue or even other other kinds of issues and this happens I think in the West and the East different dynamics but all kinds of bad wrong decisions but you know Christian families that would for example say to a daughter who gets pregnant at 15 where we're going to terminate the pregnancy you know maybe we don't want you to have to suffer to deal with this yeah maybe in a Western context it's because well, that's too hard for you to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, you're too young. We don't want you to be held back in your life by having to raise a child without being married as a teenager. Maybe in the East, it would be shame issues. Yeah. It would be too shameful for the family, for the daughter, to be seen as pregnant and have a child. Both bad decisions. <laughs> yeah. Different dynamics forcing different kinds of bad decisions, but... Would you also say in some ways that adding framework into your child's life um, is, not, is not you being a tough parent, but actually you creating structures and boundaries, in some ways so that they understand sin. Sure. Really, I think. Yeah. Whereas I think often the, the thing you, I hear is, oh, we don't want to be restrictive. So we want to let them do what they want. We'll warn them. I mean, it's a lot of <coughs> newer Indian parents. You know, that yeah, yeah. restrictive. You know, I don't be, I don't, I don't want to be like my father yeah, yeah. or my parent. Whereas I think that also says something about what you think about sin. And it's the overreaction. It's yeah, the overreaction. Yeah. And I think if you don't put that in place, your child will never understand it. I mean, you can do whatever you want to <laughs> yeah. drive your child nuts if you want. <laughs> I'm going to bring our time to a close. Yeah. It's 11.35. Sure. And I have a few other things to sure. do. And I'm sure you do too. Um, so, uh, Nissen, will you close us yeah. in prayer? Yeah, happy to. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the privilege of parenthood. And we know that the experience we have of parenting our children is to even learn about what it means for God to be our Father. Mm. And Father, we thank you that we are not left in the dark. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't have to decide what is good and bad 
wisdom out there because you have revealed your will clearly in mm-hmm. the scriptures to us. And Father, we thank you that ultimately the hope is not just in principles, but in the person and work of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And Father, we pray that um, we as parents would remember the gospel for ourselves. We would remember that Jesus died on the cross to justify us before the throne of God and to sanctify us and to present us glorified on the last day when Jesus returns. Mm. And we pray that um, that will be true in the lives of our children. And what a privilege it is, Lord, um, in all of what we think of doing as parents, um, to ultimately teach them about Jesus so that they will trust in him and walk with him all the days of their lives. Mm -hmm. We pray that that will happen, and we pray this all for the glory of Jesus. In Jesus' name, Mm. Amen. Amen. amen.